This is a Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 504. And the quote of the day is, It's always the small pieces that make the big picture. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's up, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 504, and that intro was my two little nephews I made today, take your nephews to work day. So uh, they got a kick out of that, and I hope you did too. Anyway, uh, there's, a f- there's a lot of things going on that I, that I need to sort of make you aware about. One, and it's all good stuff for you, so you may want to not fast forward. Uh, number one is the 500th episode giveaway for Drummer's Resource. So if you go to drummersresource.com forward slash giveaway, uh, you can enter to win a bunch of different things that we're giving away, stuff from DW and and ProLogic's Percussion and Big Fat Snare Drum and Promark and Evans and Dream Symbols and there's a lot of brands that are associated with this giveaway and it's amazing, amazing gear. It's not like I keep saying, but it's not just like you know, t-shirts and stickers. It's it's a bunch of really cool gear. So head over to drummersresource.com forward slash giveaway to enter to win that. Also, my friends at Dream Symbols are doing a drum hang on August 1st in Montreal. And the location is is hidden for right now. But if you want to go, you can send an email to dreamhang at dreamsymbols.com. And this is a chance that Sam Figarino from Interpol is going to be there, who I've had on the podcast. And there's going to be about 50 symbols there. And you can play with them. You can hang out with Sam. You can purchase the symbols if you like. It's just a really cool event to hang out and, and really just talk shop and play some cool symbols. And again, if you'd like to purchase them, you can, but you don't have to. And if you'd like to go, space is very limited. If you'd like to go, shoot an email over to dreamhang at dreamsymbols.com. I'll put all the links to everything in the show notes just so uh, you know if you're driving or something like that, you don't have to worry about it. So those are the two things I wanted to let you know about. And let's get into this conversation. This is with Jason Sutter. For if any of you have been living under a rock and don't know who Jason Sutter is, he has... He has had a pretty storied career. He's played with Marilyn Manson. He's played with Smash Mouth. And now he's currently on tour with Cher. And he has a, a very large resume other than the people that I that I listed. And this is a really amazing conversation because this is a lot of the stuff that that I talk about on the podcast. It's sort of life after drums or planning for what your career may look like if you only play until you're 50 or, you know, if you're only touring until you're a certain age or something like that, or having a plan, a contingency plan. And Jason said something very important to note that it's not having a plan B, but having a contingency plan. So how are you going to continue to live your life and play drums at the same time. So and, he ha- and he has a ton of, of great insight and great information about that. And as he said, this is the conversation and the interview that he's always wanted to do. And he finally got to do it and he dropped some knowledge. So I'm going to just step out and you can sit back, relax, and listen to this amazing conversation with Jason Sutter. Jason, what's happening, man? Thanks for uh, thanks for being back on the show. Hey, Nick, how are you, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I was just—it's so funny. Like, if uh, you know, if I brought up this the, the previous interview that you did, I'd be like, "Yeah, I had him on." Like, you know, I think it was like six months ago, or whatever. Nope, four years ago. Yeah, 
it's like it's amazing how how quickly time flies. I, th- I always think everything is last week or last month or something, but it's you know, yeah, it's weird. crazy, just flying by. You know, it's just bizarre. Uh, all the different, you know, just different scenarios and different gigs and things. And it's like, whoa, that was four years ago, man. That's that really does seem like it was a year ago. It's really bizarre. Yeah, it's uh, it's scary to say the least. Uh, so. We obviously in your uh, in your you know the other interview the other conversation that we had we covered all of your backstory career all of that stuff Uh, so if anyone wants to hear that I recommend checking out the other episode which was episode eighty three wow so yeah Uh, so if anyone wants to get uh, down and dirty into that I I recommend that Uh, but really the things I wanted to talk to you about today are the way the the thing that that I've always admired about you from afar is the way that you've diversified yourself, not only, not only playing wise, but also career wise and, and, and the other things that you're into besides drumming, which we can, we can talk about in a little bit. Um, but I mean, you know, from like smash mouth to Manson to share. And I mean, those are, you know, all of these things are, are totally completely different for you. What is, what has been the thing that has, enabled you to be that diverse in your playing and in the things that you do and how you're coming across to people who would hire you for Cher or for Marilyn Manson or someone like that? You know, I think uh, it's what I've always really, you know, everybody has like a goal as far as, a, you know, a, 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 you know, maybe a target as a player. Like I want to do mm-hmm. this. Or I want to do that. I want to cover this. I want to cover that. I think, you know, maybe me and maybe my generation came from, you know, someone like Greg Bizonette is on the cover when you're in high school, you know, mm-hmm. of my drummer. And you see that cat and he's playing jazz, but then he's also playing, you know, with David Lee Roth and he's on the cover of a magazine. You're like, uh, yeah, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know that myself and a whole, you know, whole tribe of young drummers kind of saw that and said, yeah, I want to ju- I don't want to just be this or be that. You know, it seemed like before that m- top moment, I think when I was, you know, in my formative years in high school and, and taking lessons and, you know, there was you were a rock guy or a metal guy or you were, right. uh, you, were you know, one of those you were just, you know, in a cookie cutter. And I felt like, you know what, man, why wouldn't I just want to do more things? And so why wouldn't I want to diversify? And obviously the more you can do, uh, the more you can do, you know? And so you'll work more. It just missed to me. It was common sense. And I think also it kind of goes back to, which happened shortly after that business kind of realization, um, is I went to North Texas, University of North Texas, when it was still University, when it was North Texas State, uh, which is bizarre. And, uh, you know, I went to that school and basically, you know, I had lunch with Jim Riley yesterday, who was my roommate, when, you know, at North, right. at North Texas, which is crazy from the Rascal Flats. You know, Jim and I, we played in the drum line. We went to we literally walked over together to the drum line auditions and our minds were blown. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, as we were speaking of diversity, like a whole new level of discipline and, and, you know, just, you know, detail that, you know, and I'd never come in contact with like in a drum line and a drum line at that magnitude. So you have that coming at you while you're also going to the school and you're studying everything. And, you know, Dr. Shatroma, who was our, you know, he was our, our, you know, mentor, you know, he ran, mm-hmm. he ran the show. There's no question. You know, he, 
had, he had a vision, you know, and his vision was um, you're going to be able to do everything in, that, that requires a mallet or a drumstick in percussion and you're going to have to do it well. And if you can do that, then we'll let you go and you can, you know, you'll probably have a pretty good chance of survival because that's how they trained you. I used to joke and I probably said in the first interview, but it's true. I think Dr. Stroma, you know, he had a plan and it was to put us through the ringer. And I was having this conversation with Jim in that, you know, it's all, and I, and, and Redmond as well. It's, it's an interesting thing. And I don't know if this is the best analogy, but it's something that I've been kind of toying with. And I mentioned to a few North Texas guys recently were like, that's pretty damn spot on. And the way I look at it is like, if this can make sense to anybody in the, you know, outside of this microcosm, that was this, this crazy music schools, you know, pressure cooker, uh, that we were all in is that, um, I feel like we're, my analogy is that it's like, you're like a Navy SEAL, right? And we're right. all Navy SEALs who went to North Texas and we were trained by Dr. Shatroma to learn how to kill like a hundred different ways in the night and a plane <laughs> out of a parachute, sneaking up, you know, with a, uh, you know, from underwater and, you know, into the enemy lines, you know, when right. no one knew this happened. We were trained. It was like, okay, you did it. You did it. Now do it again 50 times. You're exhausted. Do it another 50 times. You, you can barely stand up. Now do it 200 more times and you better be smiling afterwards. You know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. how we were trained. And we were trained, you know, to play all these styles of percussion and music and drums. And it was pretty crazy when I think back to it, because there's nothing else that I've seen, you know, in academics that's like that. And right. everybody, the results are are, you know, you can, you can touch, you know what I mean? These guys like all went off. And so my, my kind of analogy just to, to, to touch and to hit and run and get off of it is basically like certain, you know, for me, I wanted to be able to use all those skills. I wanted to actually have a hundred different missions using those, you know, if that makes sense, again, going back to that analogy and some guys, you know, used a couple of those skills. You know, right. and a couple right. of guys use maybe only two because they end up getting into a genre of music where, you know, it's like golden handcuffs. It's like a great gig, but you're doing one thing for your whole career, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm at an age now where I, you know, it's like, well, you know, um, this might, you know, I don't know how many more gigs I'm going to get. We'll see. But it's been a crazy run. You know, I'm at an age where I can really look back and kind of assess all this stuff. And I'm lucky in that I've been able to use like mo I've been able to like, yeah, like, you know. Smash mouth, I jumped out of a plane and, you know, and in this gig and Manson, I had to swim underwater. You know, it's like the point <laughs> is, right. to the, you know, it's crazy, but it's true. Each one of those gigs is entirely different, you know, mm -hmm. and I had to use, I had to call on every one of those skills. So for me, that was extremely satisfying. You know, right. I have friends of mine who, who came from that, who studied all those methods and have all those skills, but have only had to use one of them or two right. of them or maybe five of them. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Uh, so it's an interesting thing. And you have other guys like Matt Chamberlain who came from there and he's another dude who probably has used all hundred of those skills, you know? Yeah. Uh, he, you know, so it's, it's, it's goofy, but it's a way to compare it. So to answer your question to me, I feel like we were trained there. I also played in, you know, pop bands when I was, when I was very young, I was playing in blues bands. I was playing in all styles of music because I like playing in a lot of different styles of music, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like being like, I think I mentioned before, like a character actor, you know, or someone who studies all these different characters and accents and then is able to finally apply them rather than learning right. all these. Not So I, I was able to actually 
put my money where my mouth was. You know, I was actually mm -hmm. able to like do these things. And like with Manson, you show up and you're suddenly a metal drummer. You know, mm -hmm. and with Smash Mouth, it's pop. And with Cher, it's to me, Cher is is like taking all those things. You know, I'm ha so happy she's later in my career because I, I don't think I'd be able to do it if, if I hadn't done all these other gigs because that gig requires so much. And, and we can talk about that in more detail because it's what I'm currently doing. But it's fascinating, you know, being able to tie all those things. And so to me, there's an incredible satisfaction, mm -hmm. but it's also exactly what I wanted to do. You know, right, and right. and you know, Kevin Stevens interview, you know, he talks about, you know, I, I you, you do exactly what you think you're able to do and you don't do what you think you can't do. And I thought that that in his interview was one of the most poignant ways of putting it. You know what I mean? And when Agreed. I, you know, and uh, it was really mind blowing what he, what he said there. And it's so true, you know. And so for me, it was like, no, I'm going to do all these things because that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it 100% makes sense. The interesting thing is the people who, who you just mentioned, you know, your, your classmates, basically, uh, like you look at Jim and, and you look at Rich, uh, you know, like Rich is one of the guys who, who, you know, he's been playing with Jason Aldean since what, 2000 or like 99, maybe. Yeah. So, so he's been, you know, 20, 20 years. Um, he and he and, he and Riley are very, very much the same, you know, around with it, give or take a couple of years. Yeah. Those who had the same gig for 20 years and they're probably between you and me going to have it for at least another 10 years because that's how right. a gig like that, the longevity, you know? Yeah. But you and you see but you also see little highlights like if you dig deep enough about, you know, of them playing different all these different styles. So it proves your point that like you guys were trained to do all these things and maybe, you know, just because Jim and Rich are, are sort of using one of those skill sets, they both have all of those other skill sets too, which is, it's really interesting to see the three of you guys, how you came out well-rounded. Like that's a, you know, that's a testament to, to the teachers that you had and, and how one, the work that you guys put in, but also to the, to the instruction that you had at North Texas. Absolutely. I mean, I talk about the first interview, but it's totally true. I mean, Dr. Shatroma had a plan. It's part whiplash, you know, part eat your vegetables. You can have dessert. You know right. what I mean? Yep. And uh, it, it was kind of an equal parts, you know, it's not pretty, you know, I mean, the, but at the same time, the results were and are. And I'm, I could never think I couldn't put into words how, how thankful I am to all those people from Ed Sof to to, you know, Robert Chitroma to, you know, I mean, you just go on and on. You know, it's just everyone was so influential and, and it was, you know, it was an incredible uh, positive experience, you know, uh, because mm -hmm. I was prepared to go out and actually have a career and, you know, God forbid you go to college for five or six years and you can actually go uh, leave and do something with it. Right. You know? right. We all were. And then I went to university of Miami, which is an entirely different world. And university of Miami, I, you know, I could, I have a whole roster of amazing drummers that I watched develop, uh, or, you know, developed with, in a practice room or in, you know, real life situations. And I'm so proud of cats like Brendan Buckley and, you know, so many other dudes who went to Miami and North Texas and, you know, they're, they're living their dreams and, you know, right. it's just hard work, you know, and you can just see it kind of equal results. And, mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty, pretty satisfying, not just for me, but to see all these great players like live out their dreams. Uh, and it's kind of wild talking to Riley or Redmond or anybody. It's like, Kind of nuts, man. You know, I'm amazed how everybody kind of landed on their feet. You know, I'm just yeah. super proud of all those guys. We all put in the work and everybody has these great resumes and these great careers. And, or, or even weirder, they have babies that they provide you know, schooling <laughs> for. 
they have homes and it's like, what? Who are you? Oh yeah, right. you're my and we just worked our ass off and we we've arrived and we're here. And so for me, you know, the, doing these different gigs, like a lot of young drummers don't maybe don't think about it. You know, my goal was to be as diverse as possible, if not the most diverse. You know, that's mm-hmm. I'm still working on it. You know, I've still got some plans. You know, of doing some different crazy shit. Um, that said, you know, for me, um, I feel like. Um, I think a lot of young players don't don't realize like when you're doing what I'm doing, which is like cats like Mark Schulman, you know, who right. go out and, and they wear a million hats and they do it well. You know, they're 100 percent dedicated to whatever music and they're completely convincing. You know, it's that they've they've done the work and they can they can acclimate to any gig and 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 show up with the goods and make it great. And you, you don't realize like say a gig like Riley or Redmond, they have one camp. One that they've been with for 20 years. So yeah. it's like marrying a girl, one girl, yep. one girl, you marry that girl and you're, li- and you're married to her for 20 years. I meet, you know, they, they meet the family once. They meet the parents once. Hi, I'm okay. I meet the parents every gig I get. You know, I have to change. It's hard. People don't realize that when I join Smash Mouth, I meet a whole new management company. I meet mm-hmm. a whole new band. I have to meet their spouses. I have to, you get into a whole different world. When I meet Manson, I'm meeting an entirely different world. And then that's not even just to mention the fans. Yep. Suddenly you're meeting this whole new fan base and all this, and things are done differently. So mm-hmm. I've had probably like 50 managers in my career that I've worked with. I probably had like 50 tour managers, right? Mm-hmm. And those gigs and gigs, and I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just an entirely different. You have to have a skill set of like meeting the parents and being cool. And you know what I mean? You have to literally acclimate to this whole new world. It's so my point to young players is it goes way beyond just being able to play the gig. That's just like the given. Right. Then you have to like acclimate and meet all these people and get along with them and figure out, okay, that guy's that guy. Don't push that button. Don't do this. Make sure you close the fridge. And you know, it's like, you right. on the tour bus. How do you, like, how do you has, acclimate to that though? How did you, you know, do it? Like, how did you learn that? You just said it's a skill set. Like, how did you I learn that skill set? I think it's just from, you know, from doing it. It's just, it's, it's, it's basically like survival, you know? Okay. This is what I'm going to have to do. If I'm going to be a freelance player, you know, you join some new gig and then all of a sudden you have to like, you know, I, I went to Japan with talk Matsumoto since we've talked, you know, and mm-hmm. I was the only gaijin in the gig, which is, you know, a non-Japanese, you know, of right. like 50 people for one of the most celebrated and deservedly. So like fantastic guitarists I've ever played, I've ever played with, who is also in the most successful band in Japan's history called the bees, BZ. And to go there and be in that environment, you have to acclimate. You have to walk that walk in about two steps. Mm-hmm. You, don't have, you don't have much time to like figure it out. You know what I mean? Right. And so, so it's pretty wild, man. I'm very proud when I think of like those moments, like I'm in Japan. Like, how did that happen? I'm watching some DVD killer Budokan footage that they, you know, they, they made of that show. And I'm just like, how did this happen? Right. How did I live in Japan? How did this? It's bizarre, which is also some of the fun of, you know, eating your vegetables and having dessert. You know, and I say like to young players, it's like I can sit back and like I have great memories of all those bands. Mm-hmm. You know, I have great memories of every tour I've done. I can honestly say I never toured with a band where I didn't like the music. And I can also say I still like the bands that I toured with may, I may not like the lead singer anymore because he was a creep or, you know, right. or somebody 
terrible or their manager is awful or this, you know, there's a lot of terrible stuff that goes on in this business because it's the wild west, you know, right. there are no rules. So you just kind of have to hang with that, you know, right. but I, what's give say, me, so give me, let's like, let's, let's open up the, let's open up the book and you don't have to name names, but like, what are, what are, what's some of the, like the bad experiences that you've had on tour? Well, what's one of the, like the worst things that happened? Well, there are all kinds of things. I mean, you know, you, you, again, we're dealing with personalities, you know, and that's another thing that young players or old player, any player has to realize, you know, you're constantly, you know, my buddy Frank Briggs, who has the, um, you know, who's a, a great, great drum teacher and great player who I grew up was very influenced by him. He has a great drum school. If you're interested in taking lessons, look up Frank Briggs. But Frank <clears throat> said to me recently, and I thought it was great. He said, you know, music students who study music <clears throat> in college should be forced to take a uh, psychology class on human behavior. Yeah. You know, that should be part of your degree. You have to, you should know that, you know, because you are constantly, whether it be touring or any kind of, in our, in our musical setting, I think it just comes with the territory. You're dealing with characters. You're dealing with personalities, you know? And I will mm -hmm. say, I'd rather my front man be a nut job than boring. You know what I mean? Yeah, of that, course. That boring doesn't work. It doesn't. You know, I've watched it. I've done it. The guy who's the front man who's kind of slightly nutso is going to be the dude who gets on stage and lights the room up, you know? Mm -hmm. So it comes with the territory and you just have to be ready for it, you know? Or then you have the extremes like someone like a Jocko Pastorius who was, you know, you know, mentally, you know, you know, I don't want to say challenged, but, you know, he was coming Unstable. from a different place. Yeah, well, he yeah. became unstable, but in the beginning he wasn't, maybe. But that's also part of like what made him so great, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you have to appreciate that. You have to be able to, you know, go, okay, that dude's that guy, and I'm going to – and then there's other things where it's just like, okay, this dude, like like one gig I get to get into some examples that you're asking, like I get this great gig, one of the early gigs in my career, and I get the gig on like a Friday and on, by on – uh, on Wednesday, I'm, I'm flown up to where they live in California and I'm rehearsing with them and I don't know them that well. We played for like two hours. I learned like 10 tunes. So once I got the, I got the gig at the audition, um, we kept playing and it was like, this is amazing. This band's great. These guys are cool. And then I fly up to like do like actual rehearsals. I'm staying in a hotel for like a week and then we have a gig like maybe four or five days later. So something like that. And I show up and the dude's like literally at the door, opens the door holding like a jug of Smirnoff. You know, like the, with a handle on it, a vodka. You know what I mean? Right. Like already shit faced, and rehearsal hasn't even started. It's like three, and we're gonna re we rehearse till eleven. And this dude's like <laughs> pouring this in his mouth, and I'm just thinking like, oh shit! I remember at one point going into the bathroom because he's getting like aggressive and kind of like slightly angry. He's trying to like pour it in my mouth. I'm like, no, 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 dude. You like how I drum, right? Right. Yeah, I'm not gonna play that way if, you, <laughs> if I drink that. I don't drink and play drums ever. And I mean, right. every, I, this is not something I do. Some dudes like to have a couple Jack and Cokes and play drums. That is the, I like drinking Jack and Coke. I like playing drums. I do not like doing them together. Yeah, Dude, you know? I can't do it. My hands, my hands turn to concrete. I see it's just not fun, you know, and I, I realize I, I, I just, young I can't do it. Yeah, and I never have. I never would. It's just not fun for me. It just, they negate each other. It's just a different thing. After the gig, I, I'll have a cocktail, sure. Right. So the point is, it's like this dude is like, I remember going to the bathroom at one point. It was just like, it was like all hell was breaking loose. I remember looking at myself in the mirror going like, shit, like I just thought I had like the coolest gig ever. And now I've signed on to be with this band and this is what I'm going to be in. And I can tell you like, 
probably like half the drummers I know probably would have left because because it was insane. Just that that first three days or four days of rehearsals was like all hell breaking loose, like aggro behavior. And and I was like, man. And I just remember like looking at myself and saying, you're going to do this gig. And you're going to play these shows and you're going to have a career and you're not going to be able to pick and choose because you can't, you mm-hmm. know, it's not much different than the asshole boss who, you know, makes fun of you at the, your shoes at the water cooler and some shitty job, you know, you right. got to deal with, it, you know, and this is that kind of thing. But <clears throat> it's also personal because you've spent so much time crap, you know, preparing your craft, you know, and to have to deal with someone who's compromising, you know, and granted the gigs were fine, but it's like, they would be, it would have been much better if this dude, and he's a loose cannon. And then, you know, even like take someone like Manson, who I love Manson, you know, he's great, but he's, you know, he's, it's insane. That gig was insane. You know, <laughs> sure. things flying. it was like war, you know, it was like <laughs> shit flying around the stage and you never knew what kind of state he was going to be in mentally or physically. Right. Um, slept in like a week or not, you know, for each show. And I think that was part of the spectacle and still is, even though musically, I think he's, you know, incredibly talented and is, he's one of the, you know, I think most, you know, creative people I've ever met and still is. I just think, you know, the era I played with him, those few years I toured with him was like, it was like all hell breaking loose, you know? Right. And part of that is part of the show. And part of it is like, never stops. <laughs> like mm-hmm. people are like, so is that, is that an act? I was like, yeah, I wish. <laughs> no, that shit's real, dude. You you know, that shit will change your life. You tour with someone like that. It's like, man, you're looking down the rabbit hole. You know, it's like, that's some crazy shit. 24 yeah. seven. And it's difficult when I would imagine it's difficult. You, you like every day you never, you don't know who you're going to get. Exactly. You that don't, is, you have to, you have to be, but you have to be prepared for it every day. You have to wake up and be like, I'm ready for anything that comes at me. And, and musically, you know, it was super satisfying, you know, and same with the gig with the dude with the bottle of booze, they were all satisfying gigs, but I also don't think that a lot of my homies, you know, my peers would have hung, would have stuck it out, you right. know, cause it's brutal. It's really brutal and it can take its toll mentally and physically, but there's also great shit, you know, I don't mean to squeeze some, you know, but when you do as many, no, I, I asked gigs, about the, I asked about no, the, uh, I asked so about the shitty great. stuff, you know what I mean? Like, no, I wouldn't, okay. Cause, cause it's, <laughs> it's really something that people have to like, I know one guy was like, I, I would never play in a band with people who do drugs. I just wouldn't do it. It's like, okay, but you want to have a career playing music, right? Yeah. You know, sadly, a lot of dudes do drugs in bands, maybe not in front of you, but there's like shit going on, you know, it's this rock and roll. It's like, it's not like a storybook, like where like you get to watch it on TV. And then when you go do it for real life, it's not like that. Right. If you're going to really, drugs, have, it's sex, drugs and rock and roll. Then it's not, it. it's not sex, donuts and rock and roll. You know? Yeah. Or teddy bears. It's not, <laughs> man. I mean, you know, that's why for me, when people come to my place and I'm like, Oh my God, I love your furniture and your antiques. And Oh my God, it's so clean. And it's cause it's, that's the world I can control. <laughs> yeah. Right. I can control that world. Yeah. But as soon as I step out my door with a suitcase and a pair of sticks, I can't control that world because I'm a hired gun. I'm not a member of the band. I don't make the, I don't make, I don't make the, you know, the business decisions. I don't call the shots. I'm fine with that because I love that. It's, it's part of that whole, you know, being a Navy SEAL and dropping in and doing what I got to do and get out without a scratch, you right. know? Right. And, and that's a, and that's a, that's a very, a very, very, very important distinction that you said quickly. And we talk about it, you know, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but the distinction that you are a hired gun, you're not a member of the band. And I think that 
you know, like I said, I've talked about it, but I, I think it's important for people to understand that, that when you go on the road, if you're a hired gun, you're an at-will employee, and when the tour stops, you don't get paid anymore. Like when, you know, you don't get a piece of merch, you don't get a piece of touring, you don't get a piece of publishing, you don't get a piece of anything. It's just they pay you X amount of dollars a week or, you know, a, a, a show or a retainer or whatever, and that's it. Yeah. That's it. So that brings us to, you know, you and I discussed early on, like you have to uh, you have to start looking at the big picture. You know, you have to look at like, where does this what is the end game? Like, what is the you know, it's interesting to me because I've always um, whether it be, you know, as a drummer or as just life in general, you really do for me. We were just talking about New York City. We were talking about, move, you know, moving to California, moving to from New York, moving, say, from Ohio to these places. So, like, you know, you got to you got to um, go where the action's at. You know, it's being mm-hmm. in the right place at the right time. And that's a big part of being successful in this business. And that's a whole other tangent we could discuss, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times people don't realize that, like, you know, it's it's. Yeah, it's a you're you're you have to have a plan, not a plan B, but you have to have a, a an overall plan in order mm-hmm. for all this stuff to make sense. So when that when the amp, you know, gets turned off, you know, you have a life. You know what I mean? When the right. symbol stops ringing, there's there's more to it than just oh shit, when do I hit a symbol again? You know. Yep. Um, and a lot of guys don't think that through. It's fascinating at this point in my life. Like I'm, you know, at an age where I'm in the middle, you know, I've been able and it's such a great feeling to be able to look back and be able to look forward and see. And it's interesting at this point, how many people from those that from those North Texas years thought about the big picture and how many dudes did not And it's a fascinating where they didn't think that they would, you know, well, I didn't think well, I didn't think past tomorrow and i think it's yeah. great to be in the moment you know it's always zen be in the moment yeah i get it but you also doing what we do you have to be 10 steps ahead you have to be 10 years ahead mm-hmm. so that's how i've always tried to be with life and so um you know kind of taking your your lead here and moving on to other things you know i bought a house i bought a house when i uh, 16 years ago and you know when i was 33 year three, 33 years old you know in mm-hmm. la it was kind of deep in the valley but i said i can afford this i got two roommates right away this will give me stability this will give me a mortgage that will never change this will right. give me a payment that will make it so i can do this job you know what I mean? Yep, yep. And that was the whole goal. And I was thinking 10, 20, 30 years out, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to, I'm looking at the future where I pay this mortgage off in 30 years. So that's how far in the future I have always been looking, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have followed suit, but a lot of people haven't. And it's like, dude, you're going to need, you need stability in order to keep this train rolling in our business. If right, you can't, right. if you're worrying about rent or rent control or, you know, as shit goes up, up, up in these cities, you watch it. You came from New York. I'm from New York. New York's in, un, uninhabitable now. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you can't yeah. afford to be creative in New York. It used to be like, it just sucked. Now you can't. It's just rich people live there, you know, and that's I'm it. sure. People, yeah. I'm sure people could complain and say, that's not true. But, you know, sh- if you broke it down, it's either you have great rent control or your parents gave you their brownstone or their flat. Mm-hmm. And other than that, man, it's like, man, you are, you know, you're you're you work on Wall Street or you're a salesman for, a you know, you're, you make a lot of money selling whatever, you know, or like, yeah, I mean, I was I'm. I was living it. I was there. You know, it's, it's yeah. like you said, and, it's, it's very hard. And what I found is the people who are there, who are creative, uh, 
are in a situation where kind of like you where they're like, oh, I bought this place, you know, 15 years ago when when it was like maybe not a f- not cheap, but it was a f- you could at least get your hands on it. Uh, right. It was approachable, you know, and then yes. people bought homes and, uh, you know, they, they just they bit the bullet, you know, instead of driving a really nice car, you were house poor. And you knew that in the future you'd have a place that you could have st- stability, which would make it so that you could keep this keep keep going. You know, right. um, and so for me, once I did that, I thought, well, wait a minute, you know, uh, that was 2003 in 2007 with Chris Cornell. I went to Nashville and I was like, I need more than this to have stability. And so I bought a bought a place in Nashville in the hood, you know, right. and it's like, I need a rental property. I need to have some stability because it's not enough to have a house with roommates. I need to have a house with roommates and I need to have a house I can start renting. So down mm-hmm. the road, I could have the free, you know, uh, freedom of, of this passive income, which would be rent. And right. I bought a duplex, a triplex in Nashville in, in a hood, which turned out to be East Nashville in Inglewood, which is like, you know, one of the dopest neighborhoods. It's like arrows, you know, the coolest uh, you know, musicians live around me in, in my house now. And, right. and, you know, it's so anyway, I've been in there for 12 years, which is crazy. You know, it's like those mm-hmm. years go by. But now that place is you know, quadrupled and it's super hip and it's, it's, you know, I do Airbnb bees with it. So I have two Airbnbs in this one house. And then I bought another house because I was like, this area is red hot. I need to hurry up. And, and so I basically, you know, was playing with a band that I didn't really want to be playing with, but I knew that, you know, it was good music and it was good gigs and I put up with it so that I could, you know, get another down payment three years later after p- joining this project after Manson, you know, and I bought another house in a neighborhood that I knew was going to pop. That was, you know, yeah. and I paid attention. So anyway, I've always enjoyed real estate, you know. Um, right. But to me, as a drummer, it was stability, you know, it was having these places that one day would make it so I could play the gigs I want to play and right. have this passive income. Um uh, from rent on the side and maybe God forbid I could actually retire someday or just do a few gigs a year when I'm in my sixties, you know, and right. actually control. Cause to me, this is, this is another thing. I mean, like this is just a side note. I don't mean this to be heavy, you know what I mean? But it's, I think it's, nobody really talks about this shit, you know? No, I think um, it's, I think it's, I think all of this is super important. Yeah, I don't mean to be dark or heavy because, man, I'm, I'm living, having the time of my life just to put it. I'm literally sitting in my backyard in L.A. looking at my pool and it's like I'm just like I am I have the summer off and then we're going to be going to Europe and be busy. And so I'm living the time of my life. I'm trust me, I'm eating my dessert. You right. know what I mean? Uh, just just for those <laughs> listeners out there, I am I could I am happier with my playing. I am happier with my life. I'm happier with my my head and my world. I couldn't be happier. Like I, this is all you know panning out. <laughs> right. But right. and I and I just so like I don't. It doesn't seem like you're. Uh, to me, it doesn't seem negative or that you're like griping. I, to me, it, I think it's sort of like, hey, I've already I've been doing this for a long time. Let me let me let you know what the future looks like, and so that when you're 25, you can start planning for this now, so that you'll be in a good position when you're my age. And because if you think about it, even even if you're even if someone's like, I want to tour until I'm 50, right? And they're 20. It's like, okay, well, how many people do you know that retire when they're 50? How many people have made enough money to retire when they're 50? And the people who've done that have made you know, shitloads of money from the time they were 20 to the time they were 50 to be able to retire. So like, 
if you plan on making shitloads of money touring, side note, you're not going to, uh, then you better figure out a different way that you can retire when you're 50. Or 50 no, I agree. And, and you know, in, right? as a musician's career, I agree. As a musician's career, there's an arc. There's an arc to it. And uh, young players need to be aware of that. You know, there are some drummers um, who didn't get a gig. They were hot drummers. They taught at MI. They were flashy. They played at the Big Potato. They could play in like 11. <laughs> they did all this cool shit. But they never got a gig with a name that you would even know. You could just make up names. That was their right. resume until, until they were 40. And all of a sudden, they get this hot gig with some big band that tours around the year for around the world for ten years or five years. But before that, it took them to be forty. Like, imagine that if you're listening to this and you're twenty, I'm sure it's pretty daunting. But to hear that story, this guy's had an amazing career. I'm not going to name names, but this dude was like, uh, an, basically didn't have a name gig or a real tour till he was forty something. <laughs> That's crazy to think about. Yeah. yeah. So you got to you got to bear that in mind. There's an arc. Uh, to me, I it, my best, you know, to my best knowledge of paying attention to this as doing what I do and watching people around me, you know, usually in your 20s, obviously, unless you're like in like Pearl Jam when you're 22, um, you know, or in Lincoln Park when you're like 25. God bless them, but you know, that's not the path I had, you know. And right. very few people have this like lightning strikes, you know, it never happens. That's something like that's so rare. It's like winning the lottery. That's mm-hmm. that's what. The- you work your ass off in your 20s. Maybe you go to college, you know, you get out of college and grad school or whatever in your mid 20s or early 20s. And then you go on and you fight it out and you throw it out there and you maybe you have to move to a couple different cities before you figure it out. Um, if you do figure it out and then you get your 30s and somewhere in the middle of your 30s, usually I watch these drummers kind of get their strides. So that's an arc that I see as far as professionals. You know, I've mm-hmm. seen that around your 30s. And some dudes, it takes till their 40s. Some dudes, maybe mid 40s, you know, and all of a sudden they land a killer gig. And this isn't just drummers, this is bass players. One buddy of mine, Derek Frank, you know, he was fighting it out forever. We went to Miami, you know, together and, you know, doing cool gigs, but nothing real, like nothing like a resume, bam, like a punch in the face, you know, like, mm-hmm. holy shit. I use this analogy not to, like, you know, go off on a, too much of a tangent, but I, I call it the stewardess effect. Okay. Right. When you get on a plane and the girl goes, uh, what band are you in? And you say like Chris Cornell. She's like, yeah, I don't, like Soundgarden. Oh, okay. You know, like black hole. So, oh, okay. Right. Or you get right. on the plane and you go, I play with Cher and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? It's like, oh, or I play foreigner. I lost my virginity to foreigner in the back of a car when I was 10. You know, it's the, it's the stewardess effect. Right. It's like it's like basically, right. I'm, you know, you can talk. I play with this guy or that guy. OK, great. But if nobody knows who they are, that's you know, that's it doesn't. I'm just saying this. That's there's that level. There's different levels, you know, music right. and quality and satisfaction. And then there's the level of like, OK, here's a resume builder where somebody knows who that is, you know, and I, and I don't care about any of that shit. But it's just, you know, it's 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 real. You know, because mm-hmm. you get on the plane and I'll get on the plane in two weeks and they'll be like, what band are you in? You know, so he, right. you know, was in all these bands and, uh, you know, but they were you never heard of them. Same with the dude who didn't get the gig till he was 40. You, you know, you get on a plane and you can list off literally his entire resume and the stewardess would just look at him like blank, you know. Right. But right. now the gig he's on, she mentions it, she, and the, she shit her pants. You know? yeah. Yeah, so yeah. the point is, is that's there's that. So, you know, and is that important? No. But does it lead to other gigs sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. to have your resume, you know, kind of may lead to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, 
Derek, you know, did all these gigs, but they were all like, he didn't know who any of these people were, but they were real gigs. And then all of a sudden he lands this, you know, a, a gig with like Shania Twain, you know, in his 40s. Right. And then right. he lands a gig with, uh, you know, Air Supply on the side. And then he's doing this killer gig with Gwen Stefani now. And it's like, hell yeah, Derek Frank. You've arrived. Right. You know, you've arrived, dude. High five. And now the dude's on fire. And he's always been on fire. But now he's, you know, got this resume that's just killing it. And this, you know, and so it's palpable. It's real. You know, the stewardesses are freaking out. Right, right, <laughs> you know right. I mean? So that's just a goofy thing. But that's like how this works. There's an arc. OK, so getting back to what we were talking about as far as like the big picture and like, you know, how this all pans out. I remember when I was very young playing drums. I don't remember before playing drums. I can be honest. I don't remember a time before I was planning on playing drums. I pulled out like my baby book, like kindergarten and all from my girlfriend last week. And she were looking at it literally by like fourth grade. It's like I want to be a rock star. Mm -hmm. is I'm writing that down in that book when I'm in like fourth grade by eighth grade. Nice. I'm a rock star. There's like pictures of me playing gigs with like tons of girls around and at a dance. And like that was, I was getting paid, you know? So nice. that should happen at a young age. That should happen. Just like Kevin's thing. I got exactly what I thought I could get. Right. Right. Because I didn't know any better, you know, the opposite, you know, what he was talking about. But I will say at a young age, I remember people saying like, man, music, it's so tough, man, you know, and they paint that picture of like that sad jazz guy in some shitty hotel, you know, and he's, you know, in some cheap suit with like a gold bottle of like, you know, I don't know, Seagrams or something, you know, it's right. like he had a great run, you know, he had a great run and great career. And now, well, it's all downhill. You know, right. <laughs> and you know, you chose that life, you asshole. Good, yeah. you know. And it's like, no, I was like, I, I just, I guess, in the back of my mind, I never ever wanted it to be like a regret. Like, I mm -hmm. never wanted to regret choosing music. And so, even though I went to music school and got degrees in like, you know, music education, that's Plan B. There was no Plan B. You know what I mean? Yep. And so, for me, I always that's why those houses and these other things come into play that buffer this career, which luckily is I have needed a buffer. But I will, I probably, or if I want to be like, like someone like you and I talked about off tape, like someone like Bill Brufer, who was like, I'm retiring at like right. 60 something. I'm like, hell yeah, you are Bill Bruford. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah, you are. Like, you're my hero now. You were my hero before, but the fact that you can retire and having played all this, like this incredible career that you could never even put down on paper if you wanted to, you could, you couldn't manufacture that kind of like success and creativity. And you're just going to be like, I'm done. I'm like, like yeah, Dude. I said all I said, all I had to say. And, that's and there's it. more to life than drumming. There really yeah. is. You know? But yeah. in the beginning, there isn't. And really, for me, you know, it was a, it's a it's <laughs> all it these wasn't. people. All, there was just this collective gasp from the audience. <gasps> I know. You know? <laughs> I, believe it or not, man, one day, you know, you're going to yeah. want to do other shit. You know, uh, I love I mean, and shit. I, 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 I preach that a lot on the podcast, but it's different coming from Jason Sutter versus Nick Ruffini, you know, like, well, there, but there is, there is life outside of honestly, dude, and that's I okay. Still, I'm still, I go in and I, I'm still jazzed about the new symbol that showed up from Piesty or the new, you know, I, you know, I can't wait to play. I can't wait, but I also love to like do other shit. You know, I love, mm -hmm. you know, there's a whole other thing, you know, I, I, my father was a sculptor. I collect art and I started collecting art and the house thing is the same thing. I got into real estate, like as a real estate agent, just for fun. Mm -hmm. um, art was something I just always wanted. I always said, like, I'm going to have a, a collection of, I'm going to have a museum in my home someday. Mm -hmm. That would be the ultimate. And you know, art is considered the ultimate uh, luxury, you know?
All right, all month you've been hearing me talk about Drum Month at Sweetwater, and it's getting ready to end, and you don't want to miss the deals that they have going on. Also, you don't want to miss the chance to enter to win a $5,000 DW set. All you have to do is go to sweetwater.com forward slash giveaway, and you can enter to win that. But also, there's a ton of deals that are going on. So if you look at the deal zone at sweetwater.com, you'll see all the stuff that they have going on for Drum Month. And again, it's only the month of July, so it ends on August 1st. So definitely head over to sweetwater.com. And also, if you're interested in winning a $5,000 drum set, which I'm guessing you are, head over to sweetwater.com forward slash giveaway. And the last day to enter is July 31st. Sweetwater.com forward slash giveaway. If you're looking for a top-of-the-line snare, then look no farther than the Mapex Black Panther Design Lab series. These are designed to combine sound concepts to create unique and personal instruments for the demanding player. They come in three unique variations, and they all have their own unique sound quality to them. You have the Heartbreaker, which is dark and rustic and throaty. You have the Cherry Bomb, which is vintage, controlled, and precise. And then you have the Equinox, which will give you that classic, bright, articulate sound. To learn more about the Mapex Black Panther Design Lab series, go to mapexdrums.com. If you haven't already, I recommend checking out the Promark Select Balance drumsticks. What they did was take standard sizes like the 5A and the 7A and then taper them differently so that you get different rebounds depending on what style of music you play. So if you play rock or country, you can use the forward balance for more power and speed. Or if you play jazz or funk or gospel, you can play a rear-weighted balance that gives you more finesse and agility. Plus with Promark, you know you're going to get a great product because they control every step of the entire process from the forest to the finished drumstick. So you're going to get quality and consistency all the time. Plus they're always paired by pitch and weight so there's no guesswork. Check them out by going to promark.com. Now let's get back into it with Jason Sutter. Let me ask you this. Uh, did you ever did you ever feel guilty about taking time out of drumming to go do something else like if you were going to like you know spend some time whatever absolutely. studying studying the market or you know whatever absolutely. it is no absolutely man in fact i haven't up until recently i've never not practiced you know redmond used to give me shit it's only recently like where i don't practice every day you know right. like but did you feel like, did you feel guilt around that oh yeah yeah hell yeah i mean i did and that's christmas, why i wanted to ask christmas you day you. i'm like putting the key in the practice room door to play a little bit Thanksgiving day. And one day I'm thinking like someday I'm going to stop doing this. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so yeah, I felt a certain amount of guilt, but also now it's like, it's so satisfying to be able to just step back. And when I go play drums now, if I take a week off or two weeks off, it's so much more satisfying and rewarding because I'm not losing anything. I'm gaining. I listen to yeah. music all the time. I'm, you know, I'm constantly studying, but I have other interests and like, mm-hmm. you know, the art thing, you know, I, started collecting art and buying art at auctions and, you know, figuring out how to do it on a budget. Right. And you right. see documentaries of little families who built a crazy art collection. You see one person contributed to this, the other person paid for food. Next thing you know, they have an art collection. You know, to me, that was something also like, if I'm going to make these sacrifices and deal with these nut jobs and, you know, these crazy personalities and take you know, my life in this, someone else's hands, um, yeah, the benefits are all, are obviously from, you know, benefit, you benefit from the music and the satisfaction for your soul, but also, you know, there's a monetary and I thought, well, what am I going to do with that money? And I thought, well, I'm going to 
my dad being an artist and an antique collector taught me always, you know, buy something that will double in value, you mm-hmm. know, so, you know, so don't buy a new car because that's the worst investment, you know, right. or don't, why do you want to put your money in a depreciating asset? Yeah. Like leasing a car is the stupidest thing you can do. And people justify it. It's like, that's the dumbest thing you can do to drive a nice car. I buy a car and I drive it till the wheels fall off and I buy another one because, you know, uh, I'm driving a, beautiful Prius right now, but uh, it's efficient as hell. And I'll drive it till the wheels fall off because I'm not going to waste the money to drive some fancy car because I, I prefer to have, be able to, you know, have a beautiful painting on my wall or a sculpture, you know? So right. those are those sacrifices you make. But so once I have people come over and go like, God, I'd love to have artwork like this. And it's like, well, you can. So I started helping people build their collection. And, you know, even some drummers we've talked about will call me up and go like, hey, man, like I got like two houses and I got three cars. And my, my you know, my uh, business manager is like, man, you need to invest in something else. You need to diversify, man. You need to buy some art or, you know, something of value. And it was like, you know, art, can you help me out? I'm like, I sure can. And nice. I'm basically helping them buy either directly through, like I've become an art consultant for these sculpt- these artists or That's photographers. Amazing. And I get a cut from them. I get paid. It's like a drug dealer. You know, right. I sell you two pay, two pieces and I get a piece from the artist. Right. So that's right. how I send it. And so everyone wins. The artist wins. He wins. And he's getting it. My, my buddy is getting these pieces for half price because I'm, I'm basically a virtual gallery. So instead of right. the gallery getting its cut, he avoids that. He avoids tax, whatever. So the, and he gets beautiful art that he knows is a value because he doesn't know what's good, but he knows he likes it. Of course, he gets to pick out the artwork. Does that make sense? So that's the thing I specialize in doing, and I love it. People come over, and then I go to their house, and they see this beautiful art, and they're like, dude, this changed my life. I'm like, no, I know. I know. Art makes your life a better place if you buy good art. Most yeah. people have terrible art. You go to their house, and you're like, what? What did you buy that for? And why did you buy 10 of these? You know, they're terrible. <laughs> they don't know any better. It's like, let, you know, I don't mean to sound like an asshole, but the reality is like, dude, there's good art and there's bad art. Let me help you, you know, show you maybe why let's go to a museum or come to my house and I'll show you my art and I'll t- we'll talk about it. You know, I know it's weird, but anyway, that's something that gives me great pleasure. Just like helping people buy a house. Cause once I bought a house, I went, wait a minute, this isn't that hard. You just got to know this, 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 and this. And I thought I could help people buy houses or I could help people set themselves up for the future or have stability. And so that's really something that's fun for me. And I help people buy houses all over the country. And half the time it isn't about, um, you know, it's it's about them, you know, having, gaining stability and having something really wonderful like a home you can live in and enjoy and raise a family or, you know, have experiences in. There's something really incredible about that. And it's not that hard yeah. to do. You know, and I was talking earlier of all these guys who were like, I'm a career counselor. I'm going to make money and counsel your career. It's like I counsel people's career all the time. I don't get paid for it. Right, I'll meet somebody right. for a coffee. I love that. I mean, I, I'm not trying to diss that, but it's just such a weird thing to me that people actually right. like, you know, I don't get it. I don't get it. But I do the same thing with real estate. I counsel I think it, people. I think it depends on what, on what the counseling is, right? So like, because I'll do some of it with like from the, from sort of like the career and like business side of things. But like, I've owned five businesses and I've been doing it, you know, I've been involved in businesses since I was 17 years old. So there's one thing if you're like, hey, can I, can you like grab coffee with me and help me with this thing? But like, if someone wants me to like sit down and put together a plan with them and, and sort of like work with them for the next three months, I'm like, 
I, you gotta no, pay. I get that's a totally different thing. And, you know, that, yeah. that's a whole different world. And I don't know anything about it. So I don't need to, like, brush it off. It's just I will meet with people all the time to try to, like, sit down and kind of, like, say, hey, this, this is real, man. This is Agreed. Cool. Agreed. I do the same thing. Yep. But there's a difference. So I, I don't mean to, like, brush that off. But it is a very interesting, you know, thing. You know, I feel right. like um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I guess what I'm saying is I just don't get it because I'm not – I don't – I don't deal in that world. It's a whole different world for right. me. You know? so I'm like, all right, go for it. You know, but it just seems strange because I try to, you know, I'm trying to, I'm fine with meeting people and going over, you know, career and saying, Hey, this worked for me. This is what I would recommend for you. Um, given your situation. So I guess that's right. the same thing. It's just, it's, it's a new world to me. You know? Well, and plus you see all everybody now that's like, I'm a 17 year old life coach, you know, and you're yeah. like, that's Wait weird. That's you're what like, I'm talking what? about. What? Like, yeah. What have you or done like, again? You got, or you got like one gig and you're like, I'm going to tell you how to set yourself up for the future. I'm like, well, maybe you should set yourself up Take first. Take care of yourself. Right. I, right. I mean, God bless them. You know, God bless them. I mean, man, I'm all about like, you know, you know, moving forward and, and positive. And, and uh, you know, if that if I can help you with something like along those lines, man, I'm all about it. You know? Right. So talk to me about how you think people – should set themselves up so, like like we were saying like okay there shouldn't be let's not look at like plan a plan b kind of thing because i think that like plan b is you're just you're preparing for the fa- for your failure but but it's more like about being honest with the career arc it's being honest about sort of financial literacy right it's it's understanding that like I don't care if you have the hottest gig in the world right now, like that gig is going to end and you're probably not going to be playing drums until you're, you're 80 unless that's exactly what you want to do and you want to be on the road forever and all that. So how do you think people should start setting themselves up for the future? Like 20, even, you know, at 25 and 30 years old. I'm with you, man. I think what you're talking about is what we, you know, we've we touched on before we pressed record, but I really do think it's, it's something about looking into the future, you know, looking 10, 20 years into the future and going like, wait a minute, like, why am I making these decisions? You know, why am I, why am I putting my money here and not there? You know, for me, it's simple. You know, I put money into, you know, during the dot-com boom in the nineties, I had a little bit of bread from a few gigs, maybe money from a record deal or a couple record deals, you know, mm-hmm. a little, little bit, but you know, okay. Uh, this, you know, sun microsystems is now like blowing up. I'll invest in some dot com thing. Right. It was red hot, you know? Right. And sun did <laughs> really well. <laughs> yeah, it did great. And it did terrible. But my point is I, you know, I tried to, I tried to, okay, this is a, this is legit. I'm going to learn how to, what I'm going to pay attention to these stocks and I'm going to invest wisely, maybe 10 grand or something just to give it a scale. And then you watch the money like disappear or you watch these things. And it was like, wait a minute, man, I'm working way too hard to like put all my eggs in that basket, you know? Right. And then that's where the whole home thing, obviously the first home was stability. The second home was, wait a minute, you know, this opens up all these options and wait, the house has already doubled in a year. You know, wait a minute, mm-hmm. what? I, my rents are going up, up, up because the neighborhood's suddenly like, you know, taking a turn for the better because you did your homework and you paid attention to what was going on in that neighborhood. And, you know, with the, uh, you know, the, the, the socioeconomic, you know, you know, factors, you know, you mm-hmm. paid attention, you invested wisely, you know. And right. I, so, so to me, uh, it became pretty clear, pretty quick that like homes were something I got and stocks were something I didn't get. Right. And I still don't. And they don't ring my bell. Art, I get. Art, 
also I can look at on my wall and enjoy every day. I'm like a stock that just sits somewhere. You know what I mean? Right. So that was also much more interesting to me if that, not to sound like, I don't know what, you know, but no, um, I think it's, I think it's the point of like, you know, reality. Don't get it. Yeah, it's reality, but don't get into don't get into something because it feels sexy or like that's what everyone else is doing. It's like do the thing that you enjoy, the thing that you can understand, you can wrap your brain around, and the thing that you maybe think could could benefit you in the future, whether it be getting into real estate or or anything, you know. Yeah, buying something for some price and selling it for double, whatever it is, um, <clears throat> or or passive income like rents or Airbnbs or you know. So that's that's to me that's what I looked at in the long big, big picture. You know, I bought that house in Nashville and, you know, people were like, why the hell did you buy in that neighborhood? And I was like, I just did my research. I looked around and here's this long road called Gallatin at the, right where Nashville is. There's an area called like, uh, um, uh, what's that neighborhood? Like five points. And that area has exploded all around there. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. This area is just down Gallatin. It's still basically East Nashville. It's just ghetto. It's going to get here eventually. It's mm-hmm. just like if you're looking at L.A., you know, L.A., you have Silver Lake, you know, and Silver Lake explodes. It was like a hood or like Los Feliz. It was like a, a shithole. And all of a sudden, like 30 years ago, now it's like, you know, like paved with gold practically, you know. Right. Um, and so they, someone who was smart went, well, wait a minute. Echo Park is only just down Sunset a little further. It's basically an extension of Los Feliz. Probably going to happen. And sure enough, when I got into real estate 15 years ago, I, I sold up houses left and right in Echo Park in that neighborhood, you know, and now it's hit there and beyond. So my point is, is you just do a little research and maybe you, know, you have to It's speculative. You have to take some risk. But then all of a sudden you turn around and now Echo Park is like blazing hot and cool and hip. And yep. um, and so is uh, is um, is is East, is Inglewood, which is just a little mm-hmm. past you know, in East Nashville, just past. Five points. So my point is, is like those neighbors, I was just like, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to buy for cheap. I'm going to make them nicer. I'm going to renovate them and I'm going to make them the nicest house on the crappy block. And then sure enough, everyone will follow suit. And sure enough, that happened, you know, and just right. like buying Uncle Donaldson, which is all baby boomers. And they're all literally like 90 years old. They bought these houses when they were built, when these people were like 20. The house I bought in Donaldson, you know, was owned by a woman who literally, you know, bought got the first key to that house <laughs> and then she right. checked out recently and she was in her nineties and had a great long life in that home in the neighborhood that basically everybody was older. So it was like kind of a secret in Nashville. Nobody knew this neighbor Donaldson. What's that? You know? Mm-hmm. And I started looking around and I was like, okay, no, this is it. This is going to be the next place. And sure enough, Donaldson's like red hot, you know, because these people are moving out of these places that live there their whole lives. And now these, this kind of place that was once a secret is now, you know, out for everybody, you know, and now so that, everyone I, wants to move in. Yep. Yeah. And they are. And so I guess my point is, is you just kind of, t- now I'm in Joshua tree. So now I mm-hmm. bought in Joshua, right. In Landers, like the edge of the earth, you know, but you know, it doesn't take much to like do the math, man. Joshua tree is no different than Nashville, which is no different than echo park. You know, it's an extension of an area that's going to be hot, you know? Yep. And, yep. and so to me, I don't, I have no doubt that while I renovate this houses in Joshua tree, which I'm doing literally as we speak, that those will houses will be really groovy places soon. You know, mm-hmm. everyone want to kind of go out there and have either a vacation or an Airbnb house. And so that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think that, you know, we, we went down, we got pretty deep into under like talking about real estate and things like that. Um, 
but overarching for me is, you know, what I'm hearing from you is like, just figure out the things that you're interested in. Have a, have a contingency plan. Like you said, look to the future, uh, and, and think about everything holistically and understand that all the things that you're doing in your career, uh, are just a part of the, of the bigger picture. And you got to make all of those things work, whether you want to play drums full time, you want to play drums part time, you want to you know play on the weekends while you have an accounting gig, whatever it is. Uh, you just, you just have to think, you got to be thinking about the future. Always. You got to be thinking 10, 15, 20 years out. Uh, I, I, I just think that, I mean, I think it's, I think it's amazing advice, man. It's a young man's game. It's a weird thing, you know, but just like anything, you know, like that one point, you know, now there are younger drummers. I don't know the whole span of it. So I'm not, I don't want to speak out of turn because I'm not aware of what's going on entirely. I just know my little microcosm and what I've done, but what's happening now is it seems like, it seems like, you know, like, which makes sense that the future of drums is younger kids. They're moving to cities. They're picking their, the, the, let's face it, the pay has gone down. It really has, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's got harder for musicians to, and management companies to make money with all this Spotify and all these things. So now when they go, they make most of their money touring and I'm not, you know, this is just my assumption and what I get out of it. And, and in an effort to make more money, even people like Lady Gaga, you know, fire a band and then hire a new band to pay pay them half. Or Katy Perry. You know, people do that. These huge megaton artists will fire their bands that they've been with because they were paying them too much. And it's easier right. to suddenly hire a bunch of younger kids. Shania Twain did it. You know, this is fact. Right. You know, she did it. Right. I know it. She fired a band she was with for like forever because they were older and were getting paid all this money, which they probably deserved. Yeah. And then hired hired babies babies like 20 year old people who she could pay like pennies you know and i and, it's and so I, shitty because like i'm not saying it's I... shitty. i'm not saying it's shitty to be fair just to be fair i'm not saying it's shitty it's just the way it is you know what i mean yeah. and so because of that i just want to clarify i'm not calling her shitty it's just she wants to make the uh, money she's making just i was so calling know, her saying, shitty i know I but i'm just saying <laughs> the, the audience doesn't it really gets my point is i'm not saying it's it's not great it's not bad it's not whatever it just is right and so that's yeah. what you're that when you're someone like me who's at a certain point in my career <clears throat> you have to look at that and go this is what's happening and you get these young all these great young kids in nashville or wherever these young drummers who are in their early 20s right out of college they're willing to take any gig to bolster their resume or to get a career god bless them as they should um and so they'll take those gigs for less bread. And I'm not saying they're like scabs or doing, you know, it's just right. how it works. It's just what it's it is. where we're at now, thanks to Spotify and the fact that these artists want to make the money they were making 20 years ago. And how do they do it? They put the bass player on tracks, you mm-hmm. know, they fire everybody and they get like the drummer and the guitarist and the background singer uh, and they pay them who are 20 in their 20s and they pay them a fraction of what they were paying the band before them mm-hmm. who was with her for 20 years. And then... <clears throat> They're able to suddenly start seeing this revenue that they were making before. Not that they may need it or not. That's not the point. See, so that's I think we're dealing with. And so you have to be aware of like that's where this is going. That's what's happening. So, you know, you you know, you may or may not be able to make the bread you were making. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you may or may not be able to make the music that you were making as you get older. You know, there'll Mm -hmm. be more competition. And I was always aware of that as well, because if you're not, you're a fool. You know, if you're not right. paying attention to that factor, which is the cycle of life, you know, yeah. um, and the cycle of music, you know, it's like that's there's a there's a there's a there's a timeline, you know, and mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> that's why people in LA, no one ever asks anyone how old you are. You never hear that. When you do, it's like, <gasps> I had a birthday party the other day and this girl came and she was like, so how, you're a model? How old are you? And, the, and these, these <laughs> girls looked at each other like, is she actually asking us that? They didn't answer, by the way. They never answered. But the fact, it's like, you know, it's like my cousin I uh, love to death who's from Milwaukee comes to LA and he'll be like hanging at a party with a bunch of rumors and be like, how old are you guys? And I'll look at him like, dude, no, you don't ask someone how old they are in the city because let's face it, it doesn't do you any good to be older than what someone thinks you look like. It's right. stupid. It's vapid. It's maybe you can blame it on LA or New York or anything, but it's real. That's showbiz, you know? baby. Yeah, it's real. So kind of funny, but, <clears throat> but it's So Jason, true. how old? No, I'm just kidding. It's so funny. It's, I mean, it's true though. Like I, I live in LA, like I get it. It's stupid. And somebody in like Wyoming hearing this will be like, what? Really? It's real. Because mm -hmm. it doesn't do you any justice. And you've spent all this time like busting your ass, learning your craft. And then you tell somebody you're a certain age and they're like, yeah, let's hire somebody else. He's a little old. Like what? Yeah. No, you would yep. never cut yourself off at the knees because someone thinks you're a certain age now and you might not be age appropriate. Fuck right. that. <clears throat> age yep. is, you know, like, fuck that. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, it's, you know, the nature, the nature of the business, but at the same time, you know, you don't want you don't want to see One Direction go on tour and they have a drummer that looks like he's sixty five. Yeah, that said, that said, you know, I was in the band called American Hi Fi years ago, and half that band is playing with Miley Cyrus. You know, and they're all my age. You know, um, and because she knows how to hire a good band because her right. band kicks ass, and that band is amazing, and you know. <clears throat> that band is all dudes who are my age, you know, but you'd never know it. They get on stage and they kill it. They've got style and they, and they play like, you know, they're, they're incredible musicians, you know what right. I mean? So it's funny. And they started with her when she was Hannah Montana, when she was like this little, you know, cream puff, you know, when she was yeah. like 14, you know, and they've been, God bless her that she's kept those dudes all these years. Now she's a woman and she's ripping. And so are they right behind her. You know, awesome. and you can have bands like, you know, a band like, I mean, and they are very old looking now, God bless them, but like, um, <clears throat> garbage, you know, mm -hmm. they're old dudes. They are not even like trying to look young, but it works. Right. And they've got the hot, you know, Shirley Manson singer. And, you know, you look at that, you, you know, that works. So, you know, I'm just saying as a, as a freelance musician, you know, that's something that you have to pay attention to because you have to look the part in that right. situation. Right. You know? And it varies, you know, and, you know, there's sometimes there's a phase and like, like five or six years ago and, and it seemed like every dude was like bearded and furry, you know, in Nashville. And it didn't matter like what you look like, you know, it was like, you could be like an old, you could be like Uncle Jed playing drums for the country. Band, you know, and that was cool. <laughs> and that changed a little bit. Now you got to have a little swagger. And now it's like you're seeing young, hot, killer, totally talented drummers. That's the other thing, you know, which I think we talked about. It's like online, like you could be 22 and be like. With the exception of having the years of experience under your belt, you're you're fully cooked. You know, you're not half baked like a lot of drummers before didn't know what was going on until they got out, got their feet wet. You know, yeah. now these guys are showing up just from being online and being able to like all the great studying and like learning and practicing the clicks and you know tracks. These kids show up and they're like pretty much ready to go as babies. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. hi, I'm new in town and I'm ready to like play do, your face. Do you think that's just prep like they're just prepping harder i think they're learning to prep but they're, they're being given everything they need without yeah. by and they can live in fairbanks alaska yeah and have all the information that dude has coming from him 
Atlanta, you know, yeah. or where it doesn't matter where you are. You can show up with all that information and your guns are loaded. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do and you think you just, that just a quick and, you know, we don't have to dive too deep into it, but do you think that the era of having to live in LA, Nashville, New York, Miami, like, do you think you still have to move to this, to those places? Or do you think that's not as necessary anymore? Well, I definitely think it's all about being in the right place. And then you just have to be, you know, wait for the right time. So yes, I think that is important. I do think you got to show up to the right spot, you know? And I think, yes, I do think that obviously, like we talked about, we touched on it, you know, who knows, but New York is definitely tapped out. You know, Brooklyn now is, you know, 20 years ago was a hood and now it's, it's red hot, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, you know, I think L.A., do you have to be in L.A.? I still think L.A. is just pulsing with, like, super, you know, just everywhere you go, you know, every show. Right. I also think, like, you go to Nashville and it's just red hot. The playing is red hot. It's 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 current. It's now, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I also think Las Vegas, you know. I work a lot with Cher in Vegas and spend a lot of time there, you know. And I get to mm -hmm. go out and see cover bands. It used to be, like, the little goofy bands that were good, but kind of, like, you know, kind of pushed – into the center of the earth uh, of our, our world in, in, in America, you know, these guys got pushed into LA in Vegas from places where maybe they weren't happening. Now they're going to Vegas on purpose and they're killing it. You mm -hmm. don't see anyone who's not just like red hot in Vegas. It wasn't always like that, you know, right, young right. players. Now you see a cover band. It's like, these kids got it. And so I just think in general, you know, you, the competition is fierce. And I think in Nashville, it was always known as being like a guitar town. And mm -hmm. you see these like young 20 year old kids just like just burning on Broadway, you know, and now right. it's the same thing with drums. It's a drum town, you know, it's a right. drum town much as it's a guitar town. You see drummers and they're all killer. You know, it, it yep. has, it has arrived, you know, for sure. If there was ever a question of, Oh, well, it's not New York or LA. No, it's, no, it's, it's even better. It's yeah, even it's better, now. you know, you bet. And I'm proud of that city. And I'm proud of actually investing in that city 12 years ago, giving it when it wasn't hot, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm proud of the friends of mine who moved there and gave it a shot 10 years ago. And now they're, you know, the, it's arrived around them, you know, they yep. bought yep. it out. Now they're in the, they're in the cool spot, you know, which they were like, you know, there was always those grumblings about, you know, you have to be in LA to have made it or something. It's like, that's bullshit. Right. Um, so I'm really proud of Nashville and that whole scene and such a great, group of people um they are musicians who are just like the best you know i love right. my peeps so hard so shout out but um also but i also do think you do have to be you can't make you know there might be a new scene maybe detroit you know maybe detroit will be the next happening place because of socioeconomic factors and real estate you know and, and that right. history beautiful history of music this is such an LA. This is such an LA interview because, like, every five minutes, like, you just hear a plane fly over, and it's like, I know. Dude. Well, <laughs> if you could see what I'm seeing, I'm like looking at like a pool and like you know, like floaties <laughs> floating by, and yeah, this is super LA. It's crazy. It's like my, it. life, my life is like a LA, like a yeah, like a Robert Altman film or something. Right. It's ridiculous. But uh, so you know, eat your vegetables, and you'll get dessert one day, kids. There you go. go. This hairy, scary shit that nobody ever talks about. <laughs> no, I think it's wing, wing nuts or fucking which ride symbol you're using. But this is the real shit. I can say at this point in my life. But I can say that I've had a great career playing great music, 
I just got a jukebox and I'm actually filling it if I can. This may sound goofy to some people with like at least, you know, one band, like one record from every band I've played with. I think that, and that to me is a testament. I think it's a testament to the fact that I still like that music. I still Mm -hmm. like those bands. You know what I mean? Regardless of, so it's not like, oh God, I don't ever want to hear that tune again. I never had to play with a band that I didn't respect or like. I never had to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I hope I never have to. And that's right. where all this ties in. Does that make sense? I hope 100%. that with buying, buying this real estate and buying this art, you know, I can enjoy the success that I've had regardless of what, who thinks it's successful. I think it's successful. I've been su- successful to myself. And that's the only person I can ever, you know, I can, it, it, I can only control that. You know what right. I mean? And yep. I'm 100% satisfied with it. And the proof is, you know, not from gold records. It's from a couple Andy Warhols, you know, I have mm-hmm. that's that's for me to be able to enjoy those, um, by playing drums, the home I'm in or the five houses that I have, you know, that I rent out are homes that I can say, um, I bought with playing drums. Right. I didn't do it's anything. Amazing. else. I didn't do anything else. I just played drums and I tried to like, and instead of driving a Ferrari or leasing some bang and Range Rover, I've driven like Toyotas and I'm right. fine with that. You know what I mean? I'm fine with right. it, 100%. When you roll up at the rehearsal and the dudes show up and they're like in some brand new like Porsche SUV, I'm like, stupid, you're <laughs> dumb. <laughs> sorry to those guys who drive that, but it's like, sorry, you're still living with your mom, dude. Right. <laughs> like, dumb. Like, don't do that. Call Land me. Rover, just, a Land like, Rover and a Land Ro- or a Landlord. This is a joke, but I was, you should have called me. I could have given you some career counseling. Yeah. But it, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I'm trying to tie all this shit in together to just to try to be positive because I don't mean to come off because that's a heavy subject, you know, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's, if you don't pay attention to it, then you will have to do gigs that you don't like later right. in life. Or you will be that guy sitting in that room in your shitty cheap suits of cheap hotel and go, why did I do all this shit? Right. My goal has been to enjoy it, which I've enjoyed the shit out of everything so far. I've had so much fun doing everything exactly what I wanted to do because I put in the time and work for it like at North Texas. But I'm also – my goal is to also be able to enjoy it beyond, if that right. makes sense. Yep. To be able One, to look back. 1,000%. Hell yeah. It's all worth it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where I'm at in my life and that's the whole point of – I think that's what we covered in this interview. Even though it's – you know, like I said, it's it's some heavy shit that some young 21-year-old maybe doesn't want to think about right now. No, I it's, think this is now, I think this is way more important, way more important than like what ride symbol you played on the yeah, Marilyn Manson tour. Honestly, I, I to be fair, when I do do drum lessons, I just did a drum lesson. I don't do many. I, you know, I do do drum lessons, jasonsetter.com. Feel free to you know, hit me up. But I also do like most of the drum lessons for me, and I much prefer it, are sitting down with a kid who's like, you know, I'm going to college right now. What should I do, man? You know, and, mm-hmm. and Kevin. And I will say this, you know, I think there's, that, you know, I think that career counseling in that respect, I think it's great, you know, um, because you, we, no one ever told us like what you do when you leave school. And, uh, you know, to me, nobody talks about that still. And I, you know, and I do have a, a, a you know, I do drum clinics, but I, I'm kind of like, I kind of did that. I feel like I kind of satisfied that, that scratch that itch for me. And mm-hmm. I did that time it was great but now i prefer to go and i have a whole thing for like doing lectures at colleges and saying hey man i went to college and this is what you need to do to break into a scene to audition to you know all these things that nobody ever talks about negotiating Mm -hmm. 
much do you get paid? No one talks about that in music school. Yep. How do you not talk about that? It's so it's so horrible. That's a whole that's a whole episode by itself. Yeah, and it's just so. Anyway, my point is is that. Um, when I do do lessons, like I prefer if the guy wants to talk about some, you know, I get it if it's brushes because that's kind of a specialty thing that I do that maybe not everybody is going to show them. But if it's like just like let's talk about time or like you can get that online, dude, like you can't get, you know, one on one me trying to cater, you know. So yep. here I am basically saying, you know, that counseling is great. I think it is great. But it's like, again, what isn't great is the dude who's, you know. Like, yeah, like you said, it's like 22 and has never done anything as career counseling, you know? Right. You're like, so, come on, man. Let's. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. anyway, my point is, is like, I'd rather teach a talk, talk for an hour with a kid about like what, you know, a path he can go on that. If you, you know, just like investments, tying that all in, if you don't start doing it now early, then it doesn't really add up to much if you're not right. thinking early on. And that's why I was thinking about it early on. Yep. 100% man. If that makes sense. You know? Yes. Dude, I think, uh, I, this is, I'm, I'm glad we did this. This is great. I mean, this is all, all the information, uh, that I think needs to be talked about more. And I appreciate you, you know, pulling back the curtain and, and sharing this, uh, so openly because I, it is going to serve people who, I mean, it's going to, it'll serve people who are well into their career too, but especially, you know, people who are 20, 25, 30 years old, who are, trying to figure this out of like, make sure, okay, enjoy it now, but make sure that you, you have this contingency plan and make sure that you have, you know, you have some plans for the future. So I, this is super important. I think so too. I think, you know, it's never too late to, to turn it around or to think about the future. And I think you should live in the moment. And I've tried yep. to do both. I've tried to live in the moment and enjoy. I, I actually, at one point, I was on tour. I think we with like New York Dolls or Foreign or somewhere around that era. And I remember thinking to myself, wait a minute, this shit's flying by. I just did three years with Chris Cornell. And I, you know, it just flew by. It's like, wait a minute. So now what I do is I pick one person in every audience and I look at them and I stop for while I'm playing for one second. I, I focus on them and, and, and that moment. So mm-hmm. I, I, present at every show you know what i mean um because fly by it really can fly by and and um i guess trying to tie all that in so can your career you know you turn around and you're like holy shit this just flew by and then and then you know i guess maybe it's western standards or america or whatever but you go like what do i have to show for you know it doesn't always have to be financial because you know obviously it's it's that's that's that has nothing to do with it i -hmm. never set out to play drums for money. And I mean that. I really mean that. I've never taken a gig for money. I never, ever have. The fact that I get still get a paycheck, you know, for share, it's like, I can't believe I get paid for this. Right, you know right, I mean? right, right. Yep. What are you going to do with the byproduct of that? You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So learn to cook. You know, there you go. <laughs> Don't waste your money. Drive a Drive a, you know, drive a Prius uh, or something. And, yeah. Drive a, drive a Toyota and, uh, you know, and put your money in, you know, shit that's going to benefit you and your, your life. I don't know. I'm with you it. know, I really don't know. I'm amazed, uh, that I made it this far. I have no idea how the hell I got here, but I'm having a blast and it's all been worth it. And, uh, I thank all you people for hearing me ramble. Dude. <laughs> Uh, thank you. I appreciate you one taking the time and two, uh, you know, coming back again. So this is the second time. So I, I appreciate you coming on and this, 
awesome. This is valuable. The, the only, this is my only second appearance. I know some people do podcasts like five times. I've only I've done every podcast I think, but I've never done one twice. So thank yeah. you. And there are very few who uh, you know. There's very few who've done who I've had on more than once. So right. Well, so one, I appreciate one, you, my I man. Talk about the fun stuff in this one. I talk about all the you know. Well, I think it's fun stuff too. So it's good. It's good stuff. Hopefully listeners do too. But uh, yeah. thank you so much, man, for having Dude. me and. Drums rule. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it, Jason. I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. There you have it. The one and only Jason Sutter filled that interview with a ton of information. And he had a lot of great points. And one of the biggest things that I pulled from that was the music industry is changing. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. And I thought that was really profound for someone who's been in this industry for so long. And his whole take is, look, it's changing again. It's not good. It's not bad. But you should be prepared for the changes that are happening. And you should be prepared for your career now, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years from now. I love his big pic- big picture approach and understanding that you got to be thinking 5, 10 years ahead, which is, which is super smart. And I hope you dug that. And for the links to everything that we talked about and also all the links for the giveaways and how to contact Dream Symbols if you want to go to their Dream Hang, all that stuff, just go to drummersresource.com forward slash session 504. All the links will be in there. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.